0: Why don't we open with a word of prayer and ask for his help as we study the scriptures together. Father in heaven, you alone deserve all the glory. You are the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. There's nobody like you. We've, uh, we've been spending time this past week working, going to school, uh, doing chores, cooking meals, washing dishes, driving, commuting, But Father, this is a unique time, not because of this building or certainly not because of me, but but because we are gathered together, your people, uh, to give praises to you. And so we thank you for this time that we could devote to you and to hear from you and to sing praises to you and to be encouraged by one another. And Father, I ask now that as we open the scriptures, that we would hear you speaking Uh, You have spoken in your word, and you do speak to this day. Uh, These are your words. And so, Father, we need uh, the illuminating power of the Spirit to turn on the light switch in our minds and in our hearts so that we wouldn't just hear these words, but that we'd be changed by them and that we would obey them. And so, Father, that's, that's a work that I can't do. It's not a work that my friends here can't do. So we're asking for divine help today. Please open our eyes that we would behold wonderful things out of your law. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please turn to Romans chapter 3, Romans three twenty-one. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. Now, if you're a guest here, or um, if you're not used to turning in the Bible, you've got a Bible there in front of you in the pews, and it's on page 797, page 797, and we invite you to uh, take a look at the scriptures with us, <clears throat> because we believe this is the word of God. Well, we're in a series, we just started it last week, uh, called Rescued, Past, Present, and Future. What God has done to rescue us in the past, what He's presently doing in rescuing us right now, and how He will rescue us in the future. And before we we get into that, I'd like to just ask you what you think. Uh, You can respond, but, you know, it's kind of weird, I might not hear you but you could respond to a neighbor. It's okay to talk in church a little bit. Um, when I say the word hero, what do you think? Hero. Who do you think of when you think about a hero? What is a hero? Somebody strong, right? Yeah, yeah, somebody strong. Uh, maybe you think of a war hero, someone who rescues the lives of his fellow soldiers and wins the battle, great war heroes. They get a big medal. The president puts a medal on them, right? Hero, for certain. That's a hero right there right? Uh, well, nine eleven, 11 September eleventh, uh, two 2001, uh, we saw some heroes, didn't we? Some first responders that see a building that's about to come down to the ground, and they run into that building to rescue people who are endangered. Uh, that's a hero. And many of those heroes perished on that day, and many do to this day. They firefighters, police workers, uh, paramedics, I mean, they go into dangerous situations to rescue people. That's a hero, right? Uh, For those of you who are veterans, for those of you that are first responders, thank you. Thank you for putting your life on the line for our our safety. Yeah. Those are heroes. But then I, I, I turn my attention a little bit differently, though, as well. Now if you're a sports fan, uh, sports fan like me, maybe you think of a hero as the team captain when the game seems out of hand, there's no hope, only a you split second on the clock, and, you know, our hero, Steph Curry, catches it, falling out of bounds, fades away, and nothing but net. That, that's a hero, right? Snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, I enjoy that, too. That's a different kind of hero, of course. Well, all right, for those of you that maybe, uh, 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 comic book fans think you think about superheroes what right they wear a mask and a cape and they go in and they defeat the villains with superhuman powers are any marvel fans in the, in the house right dc fans right yeah i watch every single one of those movies me and my kids yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty entertaining it's pretty fun to watch right the hero saves the day again how many times has the planet been saved by the way for crying out loud new york's been destroyed like a thousand times it's ridiculous Uh, What about the unlikely heroes, though? I I really like this one. Uh, I'm a fan of, I've read all the books, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and I've seen the movies a couple of times. I just absolutely love it. And what I love, I think, the most about that story, uh, the heroes of that story, is that, yeah, there are a lot of heroes that are strong and, and you know, uh, you know, they're the classic heroes, the elves, and they can do magical stuff, amazing. But the real heroes of the story are the unlikely heroes. They're four little hobbits that really, there's nothing really all that special about them. So Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin, they rescue Middle Earth from the dark rule of the evil Lord Sauron. You're thinking nerd alert, right? <laughs> But I love it because at the end of the third movie, those hobbits are there in the middle of the, the white city and they come before the new king of the, of the men, right? And, and they, they come and they bow before the king. And he says, oh, no, 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 we should be bowing before you. And all of these people bow before these hobbits to pay homage and to thank them for what they did. And so these unlikely heroes, and I just love that story. I get a little teary-eyed and it's like, wow, what a cool, cool story. And so we know heroes, right? So we've got all these different images in our mind of what we think of about heroes, but, but when you think of a hero, what do you think of when you hear that word? You've got to have a compelling story, and part of that compelling story is that it has to include a conflict, right? That's where the hero steps in. When the conflict is at its worst, the hero steps in and through all of the trials and tribulations, they come through, they endure and they save the day. That's what makes a good movie. That's what makes a good story, a good book. Well, consider our story for a moment. We heard last week as the series kicked off, as Pastor Phil started this out by, by helping us see that we are ruined by sin. And by, when I say we, I'm not talking about the staff at Valley Bible Church. <laughs> I, I'm talking about, he's talking about all of us, the human race. All of us have come from one man and one woman, from Adam and Eve. And because of their sin, all of us, been plunged into sin and we saw last week that this sin isn't just doesn't have just minor effects it ruined us it pervades deep down into the very core of who we are now that doesn't mean by our essence you know it's to err is human right i I don't necessarily agree with that to err is fallen human but god didn't create us with sin we rebelled against him. And so we're ruined by sin. And in many ways, we are both the victim. Some of you are sitting here today, and you've been victims. And I think all of us on some level have been victims of sin, of the brokenness in this world. We've been the recipients of the harm done by others to us. And so we've been the victims of this story, of this, of this sin, this ruin. But we're also the villains of this story as well. As, we, as I heard from my friend Paul Crandall last week, I loved how he put that. We're both the victim and the villain in this story. We've been the recipient of the ruin of this sin, but we've also been the rebels, the ones who have been the villains in the story. We were deceived by the ancient foe, Satan, but we also joined his rebellion by taking the forbidden fruit, and we've been rebelling against God ever since. How ruined are we? Well, because of sin... Because of the sin in our lives, we've made God angry. The ruin, Because of the ruin of sin, we made God angry. Think about that for a moment. Do you even agree with that? Well, let's take a look at it in a few moments. Because of the ruin of sin, not only did we make God angry, but we're also slaves to the power of sin and Satan. Enslaved. Slaves to the power of sin and the power of Satan. Because of the ruin of sin, we're also banished from God's goodness. And we became his enemies. Once Adam and Eve sinned, God put a covering over them to cover their shame of their nakedness. And then he cast them out of the garden. He said, in your state, you can't enjoy the tree of life any longer. So we were banished from his presence. We became his enemies. We were at war with God. Well, not only that, but sin also ruins us because we become guilty. We become lawbreakers, and the, guilt, the, the, uh, the punishment for breaking that law is death. We become guilty, deserving death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death so pastor phil helped us understand this last week we are ruined because of sin and this is at the very start of this story although creation's the first act if you want to put it that way and then the fall is the second act this ruin of sin and that's where the conflict comes in in the story friends the conflict is that we're ruined by sin what do we do about it can we do anything about it we saw last week that we are incapable of doing anything to save us save ourselves There is no no amount of education. There's no amount of social reform that will get rid of sin. It pervades us. But, but, the good news for all of humanity is that Jesus Christ, our hero, has come to rescue us from the tyranny of sin in our lives. We have a hero that we can look to to rescue us from sin. This series is called Rescued, Past, Present, and Future. We saw the conflict last week. Last week we saw that we are in sin. And today, friends, I'm so glad I get to be the good cop. (laughs) We get to talk about our hero, Jesus Christ. My hope today is that we would leave here just happy in Jesus. Are you happy in Jesus today? He's our hero. He's come to rescue us from the tyranny of sin in our lives. Well, let's get to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. uh, We see in the first two and a half chapters, it is a bleak, bleak picture. The wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness of men. And uh, by the works of the law, no human being will be declared right before God. I mean, it's just, it's bad news. There's nothing we can do to help ourselves. But then we come to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Follow along as I read aloud. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The law and the prophets is what we call the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. You can't be saved merely by obeying the law of the Old Testament, but that law and those prophets, they point to a hero. This righteousness, verse 22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Bad news. We are ruined. Verse 24. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by whom? Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. Verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. But he did, it, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In Jesus. In Christ Jesus. All who believe in Jesus. It says it repeatedly right there in those, those six verses. There is hope for rescue in Christ Jesus. Instead of taking a real close examination of this text, I just, I want to use this as a theme to understand what does it mean that Jesus Christ has come and was sent to be our hero to rescue us from the tyranny of sin? What did Jesus, our hero, do to rescue us from the ruin of sin? There are four things that we're going to look at this morning. These are not the only four things. There are other things. And I invite you, as you, as you start to, to examine this story and look for the hero, look for other ways that we're not even going to talk about today about how he rescued us from the tyranny and ruin of sin. But we're going to look at four primarily today. What did Jesus, our hero, do to rescue us from the ruin of sin? Well, first, like I said before, we made God angry. Remember that? We made God angry so our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. We made God angry so our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. We call this propitiation, propitiation. And if you can't remember that word, that's all right. Just remember, God was angry over our sin and Jesus lovingly satisfied that anger. Well, first we have to ask ourselves though, we're we're assuming a lot, aren't we? We're assuming the fact that Yes, it's right to think that God really is angry about sin. I mean, that is not a popular concept today. Uh, we, we like to think, and we know of, that God is love. First John says that. God is love, certainly. So how could a God who is, who is love also be angry with us because of sin? Is that even a possibility? Listen to Psalm 11, verses 4 through 7. Psalm 11, 4 through 7 says this, The Lord is in His holy temple the lord is on his heavenly throne he observes everyone on earth his eyes examine them the lord examines the righteous but the wicked the wicked people those who love violence he hates with a passion not just their deeds but the people he hates them with a passion on the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. Why, what's the reason that God is angry? Well, that's because we've violated his righteousness. We've rebelled against him. And it doesn't just say those who, he doesn't just hate the wicked deeds. He hates the wicked. And if you think, well, it's maybe just a little bit angry. No, he hates them with a passion, it says in Psalm 11. Is God angry over sin? Yes, he is. Who's he angry with? With us. Rebels. Villains. And in case you think, well, that's the God of the Old Testament, right? We live in a different age. You know, God has matured and, you know, he's kind of gotten over it. And so now it's different, right? Romans 1.18, New Testament. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who push down the truth, suppress the truth by their wickedness. God is angry over sin. Just like we would expect a judge to be angry over wicked crimes of pedophiles and rapists. It is right to be angry over wickedness. So God is angry, but 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 is God this kind of angry God that the 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 ancient nations of the world they they had this idea that God by His nature or the gods that they worship the false gods are by nature and by essence they're just angry, and so you got to come to them, and and we're kind of like just these. Little people that he's really not all that thrilled about, but, you know, he made us anyway by accident almost. And he's not really too pleased with us, and so you've got to appease the gods because by nature they're just angry. Is that how this God is? Listen to Exodus 34, 6-7. Now, in Exodus 34, you must understand the scene of the story. Moses is on Mount Sinai, And he had just received the Ten Commandments, and he went down and told the people the Ten Commandments. And one of those commandments was, you shall not bow down to any other gods, and you shall not make any idols. So what do the people do? They make an idol, and they bow down to it. They rebel against God's commands. The God that just delivered them out of Egypt. So you'd think God would be angry. He is angry. He is angry. He says, Moses, I want to destroy these. But is that who God is by nature? Listen to Exodus 34, 6-7. The people had just rebelled against God. God appears to Moses, and it says in verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. Now he said, I'm going to give you my name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation so this god that we that we know this god that has created us is he by nature always just angry and mad no he is compassionate by nature he is gracious and he is slow to anger any parents in the room when your kids are driving you nuts are you slow to anger <laughs> yeah you woke up now didn't you slow to anger slow and now i'm not a righteous dad i'm an imperfect dad I'm not slow to anger when my kids do something that upsets me. This God is perfect, perfect and holy. And yet when we sin against Him, He says, I'm patient, I'm slow to anger. Is God angry over sin? Yes, He is. But He's slow to anger. And remember, He's compassionate. He looks down on the human race with pity and says, I want to do something about this. He did do something about it. You see, we can't do anything to satisfy God's anger for our sin. But because of his compassion, because of his grace, because of his love, because he is slow to anger, he made a way. You see, that way that that he made for the Israelites, you can see this back in Leviticus 16, 15 to 16, is that... Uh, again, Le- Leviticus sixteen fifteen is that uh, God said, you know what, I want you to build this tabernacle which represents my presence. And what I want you to do is within the holy of holies of this tabernacle, I want you to build this, this box, the Ark of the Covenant. Now you're thinking of Indiana Jones. Hey, there's another hero. Indiana Jones, right? So there's the Ark of the Covenant and, and upon that Ark, on the top of that box, there's going to be a lid and that's going to be called the atonement cover or the mercy seat, okay? And what I'm, what I'm going to ask Uh, God told Moses I want you to send in the priest Aaron your brother and he's going to go in and he's going to go in with blood the blood of a bull for himself and the blood of a goat for the people and he's going to take the blood and he's going to sprinkle it on that atonement cover on that mercy seat and here's what it's going to do for Aaron and for the people it's going to cleanse them of their sin and I'm not going to be angry and destroy them for another year it was God making a way because of his compassion to say, I will have mercy upon the people. But there's something wrong with this picture. While it's wonderful that God made a way, the priest who was going in, he's not perfect. He's got to sprinkle blood for himself. And the blood that he's sprinkling, how is it fair that it's the blood of, of just an animal when we've sinned against the holy God? Is he really accepting of that? Well, he was for a time, but, but see, they had to go in time after time after time to sprinkle blood because they knew God is angry over sin and he's made a way. But they were looking forward to a hero. Would there be a hero that would come and he wouldn't have to sacrifice for himself at all? He'd be a perfect priest. And would there be a hero that would come that could actually be a sacrifice and provide a sacrifice that would take away sins permanently forever so that God is no longer angry with us and that really removes the sin from our midst? Could there ever be a hero that would come and they'd be reminded of that need year after year? Romans 3.25, we read it this morning. Let's read it again. God the Father presented Christ As a sacrifice of atonement. He presented Jesus as our propitiation. He presented Jesus as the mercy seat. He presented Jesus as the place where God's anger is satisfied and sin is put away from the people. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. How? Through the shedding of his blood. You see, friends, he is the priest and he is the sacrifice. And this is all received by faith. God the Father presented Christ willingly, and Christ willingly gave himself up. It was the anger of the Godhead. It wasn't just the God the Father, I'm really angry, I'm going I'm to get these people. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 hold on a second. No, no, no. This is God the Father angry over sin. This is God the Son angry over sin. This is God the Spirit angry over sin. And God the Father compassionately makes a way. He sends His Son. Jesus willingly, compassionately comes and makes a way. And the Spirit willingly and compassionately helps Jesus to accomplish this mission. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were involved in offering the atoning sacrifices that we needed. You see... What did Jesus, our hero, do for us about this anger? We made God angry, so our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. He did it. Jesus appeased the wrath of God with his blood and cleansed his people from their sin. If you've looked to the hero, though, that's that's the issue, friends. Have you looked to the hero? We're going to look at other ways that the hero rescues us, but have you looked to the hero? You may think to yourself, I don't think God's angry over sin. That's fine. He is. He is. Will you look to the hero, Jesus Christ? And God no longer has to be angry over your sin. The hero can cleanse you because he loves you, because he's compassionate, gracious, and slow to anger. Have you looked to the hero? Well, Jesus, our hero, because God was angry, our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. We call that propitiation. Secondly, we were enslaved. We were enslaved, so our hero sacrificially paid the price for our freedom with his own blood. We were enslaved, so our hero sacrificially paid the price for our freedom with his own blood. Call that redemption. You see this, this idea of redemption, it was nothing new to the people of God. Uh, You see, God delivered his people, Israel, from slavery. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7, verses 7 to 9, they would constantly rehearse this story, their story. The Israelites had a story that God had redeemed them from slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. They were down there for hundreds of years, and they were slaves. They were building all these great buildings for Pharaoh and for the kingdom of Egypt, the empire of Egypt. And they were beaten, and they were bruised, and they were uh, malnourished, and they were suffering, and they cried out, God, when are you going to send a hero? Rescue us from this slavery. And he did it. That's that's who God is. In Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 9, they're rehearsing the story of their hero's redemption. It says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. (laughs) God's saying, I didn't pick you to be on my team because you're the tallest and strongest. I picked you because you're the smallest. (laughs) But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord, your God, is God. He's faithful God, keeping his covenant love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. You see, the rescue plan of redemption, that was the story of Israel's hero, israel's hero was the lord he was the the one who came and redeemed his people from slavery in egypt but but after they come to this new land where they're free people to serve god forever and ever after a little while they broke the covenant This story of redemption got them out of egypt but they still have sin in their hearts They broke the covenant the Lord made with them through their rebellion. They were taken away into exile once again, this time into a foreign land, far, far away. And there they are in Babylon. Who's going to set us free? Who's going to deliver us? Who's going to redeem us? A hero steps onto the scene. A hero steps onto the scene, Mark 10, 45. A hero says this, Free even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't just come and say, okay, I'm going to come and pay the ransom to get you out of exile, to free you from sin, to free you from slavery. He said, I am the ransom. I'm giving my life. I'm giving my life to set you free. This is the story of God's plan to set prisoners free. Well, what are we set free from? I have to turn to John chapter 8. I didn't turn to this one in the first service. So, like Pastor Tim said. And here you get a special verse. <laughs> John chapter 8, verses 34 to 36. Listen to this. We're set free from sin. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Anybody here a sinner? And if you say you haven't, you're a liar. So you're a sinner. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Therefore, we're all born slaves to sin. John 8, 35. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Listen to the hero now, 8, 36. So if the son, if Jesus, the son, he's speaking of himself, if the son sets you free you will be free indeed thank you hero we're set free from sin i don't know about you but there's times there are times when i feel like man i, I can't stop doing this that's a lie that's a lie i can't i can't beat this addiction I can't stop having these wicked thoughts. I can't I can't keep my anger down. Look, it's it's a part of my, my makeup, who I am, right? It's part of my ancestry. I, you know, I got whatever kind of blood in me, so I'm hot tempered. I can't be set free from this. He whom the sun sets free. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. The hero comes to break our sin, to break our addictions. Well, not only are we freed from sin, we're also freed from the curse. Now, what curse is that? Well, we're told because we're lawbreakers, we are under a curse. We've broken God's law. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He didn't curse the curse, he became a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole or hung on a tree. Where did that happen? On the cross. Jesus there on the cross said, I'm going to become the curse for them, to set them free. I'll be cursed so that they're no longer cursed. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to redeem them. Wow, what a hero. What a hero. Well, this hero sets us free from sin. This hero sets us free from the curse. And this hero sets us free from condemnation, feeling and being under guilt being under the threat of punishment for our sins. Romans 8, 1-2 says, Therefore, there is now no, no, zero condemnation for those who are in the hero, those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Friend, if you're here today and you've been dealing with guilt, but, and if you've trusted in the hero... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is my go-to verse when I am feeling just this weight of guilt. This is my ver- go-to verse when I talk with someone else, man, I just, I, you know, I, I'm struggling in this Christian life. I just feel guilty. Oh, 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 what guilty. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation because we've been set free from the law of sin and death. What a hero. Well, we've been Set free from sin, from the curse, from condemnation. And we've been set free from fear of the realm of Satan. We've been set free from the realm of Satan. You know, Satan is called the prince of this world. He's got stuff going on all over the place, guys. He's got stuff probably going on in this room right now. But we've been set free from the realm of Satan. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. For he... God the Father has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption. Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Friends, if you are in the hero, if you are in Christ, you have no place in the kingdom of darkness any longer. You are a foreigner. You are an alien to the kingdom of darkness. You belong to the kingdom of light. We have no longer to fear the realm of Satan We've been set free from sin We've been set free from the curse We've been set free from condemnation And we've been set free from the realm of Satan What a hero We were enslaved so our hero Sacrificially paid the price For his freedom Now what did he pay for all this stuff What did he do Did he come in with well I'm God so I've got all the riches in the world Here's a bunch of gold boom I'm going to set you free with all this stuff What did he pay life. He paid his precious blood for you, for me to set us free. What a hero. What a hero. Jesus sacrificed everything to pay the price for our freedom. There is no addiction. There is no crime in our past. Not even Satan has any right over those who've looked to the hero to be rescued. Have you looked to the hero? Those of you that are sitting here that are struggling with addiction look to the hero. Those of you that are feeling like you're cursed in this life, look to the hero. Those of you sitting here today who feel condemned and guilty, look to the hero. Those of you who who live in a fear of Satan and his demons and you feel like they've got control over you, look to the hero, our Redeemer, who paid the price to set us free with his own blood. Have you come to the hero? Well, we saw that God was angry, so our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. It's propitiation. We just looked at the fact that although we were slaves, our hero sacrificially paid the price for our freedom with his own blood. That's redemption. Thirdly, we were at war with God. At war. At war with God, so our hero courageously broke the hostility so that we can enjoy peace. We were at war with God, so our hero courageously broke the hostility so we can enjoy peace. This is called reconciliation, friends. And it goes both ways. See, it's not just humanity having to be reconciled to God because we did something wrong. We certainly needed that, right? We did something wrong. We gotta come and be reconciled to God, for sure. It's not only that, but because we sinned, God says, well, You're banished away. I'm not going to dwell with you. There's sin. See, God is reconciled to humanity. Humanity is reconciled to God. If it was up to us to be reconciled to God, there would be no way. But Jesus says, I'm going to step into the place so that there can be reconciliation. I'm going to make a way so that there is now a place to find peace, and it's right here at the cross. Peace, peace, peace found in Jesus. Colossians 1, 21-22 says, Once, at one time, for those who trusted in the hero in the past, once you were alienated from God and were enemies, enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, (laughs) but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. To present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Do you feel far from God today? Look to the hero. He wants to bring you peace. He wants to reconcile you, reconcile you back to God. Romans 5, verse 1, and, and verses 10 and 11. Romans 5, 1, 10, and 11 says this. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This world is searching for peace, is it not? Peace in our, our homes, peace in our streets, peace in our neighborhoods, Democrats and Republicans, they can't get along. We need peace. The Middle East needs peace. This world needs peace. North Korea needs peace. My heart needs peace. Where is peace found? It's found in the Prince of Peace. We're at war with God, so our hero courageously broke the hostility so that we can enjoy peace. And think about how he had to do that. He came and he suffered from the hostility of wicked men, and they beat him. And they flogged him, and they mocked him, and they nailed him to a cross. And through that act, he brought us peace. Back in 1945, you've probably seen the pictures and the grainy video of millions of people crowded in the streets of London and New York City to celebrate the defeat of tyranny. The Japanese Empire, the Nazis were defeated they were threatening to take over the world. And it looked dark and it looked bleak, but some heroes stepped forward and they won the war and many of them sacrificed their lives for that. And it wasn't just one of those things where it's like, oh, that's cool, that's nice. <laughs> no, the streets were filled with millions of, of people welcoming the heroes home saying the war is over the threat of invasion and further death has been defeated it's our victory day friends we were at enmity with god we were the villains we were the enemies but through our hero the strife is over the hostility has been broken Our hero courageously entered enemy territory to achieve victory with us. And now we're at peace. Now, Victory Day uh, has been accomplished, but it's not been celebrated yet. One day, our Prince of Peace, he's going to come back. He's going to put his feet on the earth, and we're going to have a huge party. And we're going to sing, Glory to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Prince of Peace. Yes. Our prince of peace. There is no politician that can bring us peace like Jesus can. There is no counselor or therapist that can bring us peace like Jesus can. Our hero courageously broke the hostility so that we can enjoy peace. Fourthly, what has our hero done to rescue us from the tyranny of sin? Well, we were guilty of breaking God's law and deserving of death, so our hero willingly stepped in take our place. We were guilty of breaking God's law. We deserve death. So our hero willingly stepped in to take our place. This is substitution. You know the term if you played sports. You sub in one guy, sub in another guy or gal, right? Substitution. Substitution. Except Jesus isn't coming into to the game. He's, he's stepping into our place to experience death you see, when, when God's people were in exile, they, they knew they knew that they would need somebody to be their substitute. They knew that they deserved death uh, because they were guilty of sin. And so there was a lot of darkness. You read that in the prophets of the Old Testament. There's a lot of darkness there, a lot of judgment. There are some glimmers of hope. See, Isaiah foresaw a day when a hero would come. Isaiah foresaw a day when the suffering servant who is there, our hero would heroically step in to take the place of punishment for the people for their sin. He foresaw this suffering servant. And Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 says, Surely he, this suffering servant, took. Now he's saying this as, a, as if it's happened in the past, but it's still something to happen in the future. Isaiah sees this vision. He sees this prophecy. He knows it's going to be fulfilled. He took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions another term for sin he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that was that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here I stand, deserving death, guilty, and God says, I'm going to send a suffering servant to take the guilt and place it on him. Who is this suffering servant? Did Isaiah, Isaiah see it in his day? Well, he foresaw it, but it was never realized in his day. Fast forward the clock 500 years. There's an apostle named Peter. He's writing a letter to exiles, and he says, I know who this suffering servant is. I've met the hero. First Peter two twenty four to 25 speaking of Jesus, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Friends, Isaiah foresaw the suffering servant. Peter looks back and says, I met him. I walked with him. I saw him. I saw him die. I saw him raised. And that hero is Jesus. And now he really can talk about it in the past tense. He took our sins. He bore our iniquities. He took our transgressions. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of of us all. And by his wounds, we are healed It's not something looking at the future. It's something that's happened. Jesus is the hero who took our place. He stepped in to take our place willingly, willingly. Why? Why would he do this willingly? What kind of hero would go to these lengths and give up his life to save others? Jesus made this clear. In John 15, 13, he said this, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So full of love, so full of compassion, he willingly stepped in to take our place. Our hero in our great moment of need stepped into our predicament, stepped into our mess and died the death you deserved and that I deserved. We were sinful, he was sinless, yet he paid the punishment of death so that we may live. Our hero, our hero Jesus has come. He's come to rescue us from the ruin of sin. We made God angry, so our hero lovingly satisfied God's anger over our sin. We were enslaved, so our hero sacrificially paid the price for our freedom with his own blood. We were at war with God, so our, our hero courageously broke the hostility so we can enjoy peace. We were guilty of breaking God's law and deserving of death, so our hero willingly stepped in to take our place. What a hero. What what a hero. Now, this is the story of the scriptures. This this is what it's all about, friends. It's about a hero, and his name's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's consider your story for a moment. Who's the hero of your story? Is it yourself? Sometimes we live that way. So busy with my job, paying bills, school, uh, cooking meals, cleaning dishes, going on vacations. Well, you know what it's like, right? Sometimes we get so caught up in our story that we think that we're the hero of our story. It Can be farther from the truth. There's no way that we could satisfy God's anger. (laughs) There's no way that we can uh, that we can bring peace where there's war. There's no way that we could pay the price to set us free from our own slavery. There's no way that we could die the death that we need to die in order to set us free from fear of death. We need somebody to take our place so that it's, we can't be the hero of our story. So who is the hero? Have you embraced the hero? Are you looking to the hero for rescue? How would you escape God's anger? Even if you owned every dollar in the whole world, that wouldn't be enough to buy your freedom. can't do it. You, you are born as God's enemy because of your rebellious heart. How could you ever make peace with God? You can't. The penalty for sin is death. How will you escape that? It has a 100% success rate. How will you escape it? See, the superheroes in comic books, they, they wear a mask to conceal their identity. But our hero, he, he wore a crown of thorns on his head. He was mocked because of his identity as the king of the Jews. He did that to rescue us that's our hero superheroes in comic books they they wore a cape around their neck to look real you know strong and to show off their super abilities but our hero he hung on a cross to rescue us from the ruin of sin this is the hero of of my story i hope it's the hero of your story see in one sense You are the victim of the ruin of sin. You've been broken by what others have done to you. How are you going to be set free? Look to the hero. But every single one of us, in another sense, is the villain who's brought on the ruin of sin because of our rebellion against God. What are you going to do about that? Look to the hero. What kind of story is it where the hero comes in to save the villain? That's the story of our hero, the story of Jesus. Who's the hero? Have you embraced the hero? I have a couple of challenges before we close. My first challenge is for those of us that have embraced this hero. And there's so many good things going on here at church and in our lives that we're trying to improve ourselves, right? And that, There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get so caught up in improving ourselves that we forget who's the real hero. This church has been around, I believe, for nearly five decades because God's blessed it because we talk about the hero talk about the hero a lot at least we want to we try to what about you do you talk about the hero does the hero come up in your conversation or or is the conversation always so much about you that people think oh yeah well just like me that he or she's the hero of their own story it's pretty commonplace who's the hero of your story Uh, the other day i was driving home from work this is really convicting i was driving home from work and uh, it was cold and wet as it has been like for the last two weeks right driving home from work, and it's dark, and I can tell, like, somebody's pulled over on the side of the street where, near where I live, and, um, and I can tell this lady had run out of gas, and she's trying to cross the street, and it's cold and wet, and I can tell she's struggling, right? And I'm thinking, oh, man, Laura's, like, I know she called me. She said dinner's almost ready, and, you know, it's a good hot dinner, right? I gotta get home, right? I'm already running late, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I, I send somebody to help this lady, right? She needs a lot of help. I'm sure she's run out of gas or whatever, and I, you know, I started to think about what we heard just a couple of weeks ago uh, about the Good Samaritan, right? You know, you see somebody in need. Who's, who's my neighbor? E- everybody's my neighbor. Whoever's in need, that's my neighbor, right? <laughs> and so I wasn't feeling very neighborly at the moment. And uh, I was convicted, and uh, thank be, thanks be to the Lord, I turn around, and sure enough, she had run out of gas. So I went home, picked up my boys, made them go with me. <laughs> and so we got some gas, and we put the gas in her car, and I'm thinking to myself, I sure hope this lady doesn't think that I'm the hero of this story because if she knew my heart, I wanted to go home. <laughs> so I just brought up, I said, you know what? Uh, I said, my, my name Matthew and she was just very thankful. I'm you know, pouring the gas in from the gas can. It's pouring all over my feet. It was a mess. Anyway, uh, I said, uh, you know, I, I, was just, I was just thinking about the story of, uh, in the Bible, about Jesus when he told the story of the Good Samaritan. Have you heard that story? She goes, yeah, I don't know, a little bit. and So I shared the story with her. I said, jesus jesus has come to show us the love of of a neighbor and uh, what a what a what a great neighbor he is and uh we, we just talked for a few minutes and i just wanted to hear the story of the hero i was not the hero i wouldn't have been there if it weren't for the lord stepping in and saying hey get over there right jesus is the hero yeah i'll applaud him i'll applaud him jesus but do you find opportunities? I want to challenge you. If you know the hero, it's our job to tell the story. And if you're telling your own story of your own heroics, boy, you've got it all wrong, friends. Our job is to tell the story of our hero, of Jesus. Will you share the story? Before, as you go today, and you go to lunch now, it's, it's lunchtime, and you're very keenly aware of that, and so I know you want me to finish. Uh, but as you go to lunch, and you're sitting around a table with friends, family, Maybe you're going to be on the phone later or texting somebody later. Whatever it is, find a way to share one thing about the hero that is special to you. M- maybe, it's, maybe it's you felt guilt and only the hero can release you from guilt. Maybe you, in the past, you felt addicted and enslaved to, to passions of, of your body and the desires of your heart and the addictions that you're addicted to and you know God set you free and say, Hey, I got a long way to go, but I know my hero has set me free. Whatever it is, share the story today. Make it a habit today where you're sharing the story of your hero and find ways, friends, to show the story of our hero to a lost and dying world where God is angry with them, where they're not reconciled to God, but they're enemies of God, where they're under guilt and they're enslaved. Tell them about the hero. Tell them about the hero. But I would also imagine, this is my second challenge, that there's somebody here today Maybe multiple people. But you're here and you're hearing this. And you said, you know what? I've never embraced the hero like this. I've never even seen Jesus as a hero like this. I thought he just wanted me to live right. Well, he wants you to do that, but, but he came to save you and rescue you. Have you received the hero? And we're going to pray here right now, but, but I'd like everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you, if you've never received the hero, if you've never received the hero, would you receive him today today is the day of salvation you're not promised tomorrow will you embrace the hero will you say with your mouth i want him to rescue me i want him to be my new boss will you do that today we're going to have some pastors and elders and deacons and hopefully some women and wives some people down here close to the front of the auditorium and and if you've never embraced the hero, why don't you do it today? Why don't you do it today? Father in heaven, all glory belongs to Jesus. He is the hero of our story. He has come to satisfy your anger and cleanse us from sin. He has come to set us free from the slavery to sin and the curse and to Satan and he paid the redemption price with his own blood. Jesus is the hero of our story because through him I, I could have peace with you, God. Because of Jesus I don't have to fear death because as my substitute he took my place on the cross. Jesus is our hero. Father, I pray that you would fill the mouths of those who are followers of the hero who is Jesus and would you open our mouths that we would tell the story tell the story of what he did to rescue us and how he has rescued us individually I pray that we would find people who are in need I pray that we would find people in our families and in, in our, our workplaces and in our schools that we would say I know a hero his name's Jesus and he wants to rescue you from the ruin of sin in your our mouths with the story. Father, I pray for anybody here today, there's got to be somebody here that's never embraced Jesus as their hero. Would you please draw them to yourself? I pray that they would find the courage to come forward and just talk with someone and say, I want to know the hero. Save today, Father. You are a rescuing God. We trust in our hero, who is Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.